Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Jason Jimenez here. So glad to be with you guys once again here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Today is podcast 118, and we are now entering into Acts chapter 5. And now, if you remember this account, this is a famous passage because a lot of sermons deal with this issue regarding Ananias and Sapphira in verses 1 through 11, where they withhold some of their profits when they sold land. And we're told in that passage that they not only lied to the Holy Spirit, but as a result of that, they were killed. They died. So we'll look into that to see the significance and the meaning behind that. We'll also be looking at this growing persecution that's going to be extended from uh, the religiosity of that day as they are not embracing the new message that's found in Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he's the risen Savior. And we see how the apostles deal with this growing persecution that they are faced with as an early church and how they overcame it through the power of the Holy Spirit and their faithfulness and their obedience to God's word. So if you've been following along in the book of Acts, you know that the book of Acts is all about the Holy Spirit. And that is the huge difference. I think, again, every time that we jump on this podcast and we're looking at the book of Acts, when we're looking at anything for that matter, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as we open to God's word and as we look to know him and as we look to understand his scriptures and as we look to use our spiritual gifts, as we look to walk in conviction, to be broken, to have the confidence to go share our faith and to proclaim the good news, that is all through the power and the movement and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So that is our theme, the acts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we talk about how God used Peter on the day of Pentecost. Yes, we talk about how he used uh, Peter and John, how they healed the lame man, Peter did, and, and preached the gospel in the temple. And then we look at Acts chapter 4, and you see the boldness of Peter and John. And then now in Acts chapter 5, you continue to see this, this outreach, this boldness. That is the Holy Spirit using these vessels of honor. So my friends, as we dive into a verse-by-verse teaching, and that's what we do here on Stand Strong in the Word, we believe in God's infallible Word. And we believe that in order for you and I to be the saints, to be the children of God, to be the disciples of Christ that he has called us to be, we need to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to do that for you right now, to to move on your heart and to open up your mind and your heart, to be receptive to his teaching today. And as a follower of Christ, that we pray, God, may your word transform me. May it penetrate my heart. So whatever you're going through, my friend, my prayer for you here on this podcast is to help you to stand strong in the word of God. And when you do that, and when you put your faith and trust in God's word, God will use his word. It'll be evident in your life and you'll be that tree that's firmly planted by the rivers of water. So let's dive right into uh, this passage today in Acts chapter five. And the title here is The Dominance of the Church Under Oppression. And there's three main points here. One, we're gonna see how the Holy Spirit was lied to by Ananias and Sapphira. We see the greediness and the pride. Another thing that we're going to be seeing is we're going to see the mighty wonders and miracles and signs that are coming out of the apostles for confirmation that what they were saying is in fact true. And thirdly, what we're going to see is this the the attempt to silence this message by the Sanhedrin. So let's jump right into verses 1 
through 11 here, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. It says, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back your, for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain in your, in your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such much, for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Well, again, so you can see why this is such an extraordinary passage. So let's dive right into the first thing we see here in verse 1 is, is the names of, of Ananias and Sapphira. So Ananias means God is merciful and Sapphira means beautiful. And notice it says in verse 2 now that his wife had knowledge. In the Greek, that means she had shared information it basically implies that this is something they went in together to do. And he, that is Ananias, being the husband, the leader, he kept back. Now, this is an interesting word in Greek because it means to be uh, that, that he embezzled uh, or he misappropriated the funds. So again, they were plotting this, how they were going to go about doing this. Again, we don't know the condition of the heart exactly and what led up to this. But for whatever reason, they embezzled it. Well, we know because of greed, but, but, but beyond that, what, what were they were struggling with? Maybe they were just thinking they were doing sort of a good favor, but in the end, they decided to you know, continue to live a lifestyle that they were not willing to give up. But it says here that he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it, and he laid it at the apostles', <clears throat> excuse me, at the apostles feet. So Ananias not only lied about withholding a portion of, of the money because of his greedy heart, but it made it seem, he made it seem that he was a very generous individual to the church. So you have a double whammy, if you will, here. One, there's the greed. Again, we don't know what led them to do what they did besides just obviously greed, but what was happening in their lives? What led up to this to cause Ananias and Sapphira? This wasn't just something he did that she was not aware of. But also to go before the church and to present themselves as someone, you know, worthy, you know, somebody who was doing the work of God and they wanted the praise and accolades. They wanted acceptance. Maybe they're trying to, to prove that they're better uh, or more generous than other people. But notice it says it brought only a part. So the issue, again, was deception and not generosity. So you think about in your own life or in the life of somebody else when their intentions is not what you thought it was going to be. They were seeming like they were, you know, they, they cared for you when in fact that they were looking to scheme or take advantage of a situation, right? So, 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 so their intentions were not pure. That's always the worst, right? 
So this is unfolding here, as we can see, because then Peter, he asked how, why has Satan filled? That means take possession or control of your heart. Okay, so now, again, not knowing all the situation and the, and the real condition of what led up to this for Ananias and Sapphira, but what we know in scripture, they're greedy, there's deception, and notice Satan is controlling their lives in this situation. And notice he says, because of this, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have kept back for yourself the proceeds of the land is a question. He's challenging him with this. Now, obviously here we see that Satan was attacking. Uh, Satan was influencing. So before we get into the oppression that was that, that the apostles dealt with because of the Sanhedrin, we have to understand that Satan was on the move. He was attacking, and this is one of the prime examples up to this point. And he's influencing many of the early church followers. And how is he doing it? Is he opposing the resurrection? Is he opposing the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, he will from time to time. But right here, right now, what we see that Satan is doing is Satan is influencing the early church with greed and deception. Even today, my friends, we have to be careful when it comes to greed and deception. Now, as speaking as a, a, a Christian uh, author, as a speaker, as a pastor, I see a lot of this. Even my own heart, as I, as, I, as I focus on the Word of God, my heart before the Lord is to be pure, that my motives are not to take advantage of an opportunity that God has given me, but with the responsibility that He's given me to be a good steward of what I have and to be content, as Paul was in Philippians 4, in all things, to have a grateful heart, to rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice we don't see that in this uh, situation with Ananias and Sapphira. Satan was on the move, and he was going to use these two individuals to continue to uh, corrupt uh, the early church. Now, one of the commentaries here said that the verb translated fill is eplosorin from pleiero, which here has the idea of control or influence. The same verb is used in the command to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. Ananias, a believer, was influenced by Satan, not the Spirit. The fact that Peter asked, how is it, implies that Satan had gained control because Ananias had not dealt with some previous sin in his life. So again, that's what I was alluding to earlier. We don't know what led up to this, but this is the outcome, and a very sad one at that. Because he lies to the Holy Spirit, they lie directly to God, which, again, the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity, is a subsistence of the very nature of who God is. The person of the Holy Spirit is, is God. So we can't lessen what the Scripture is saying here. When they lied to the Holy Spirit, they're lying to God because the Holy Spirit is God. And they thought they were going to get away with it. See, that what's, that's what makes it even worse. I just finished watching that 30 for 30 uh, about Lance Armstrong. And the reason why so many people hated his guts is because for years, and this is a cancer survivor, and he started the Live Strong movement. So many people were moved by him. And, and he, he continually say for, for a few decades until he was obviously the whole you know um, thing came crashing down, but that he never doped. You know, he was not taking enhanced drugs, you know, and yet he was and how he mistreated people. And it, and, and so it really hurt a lot of people. And so a lot of people had a, such a great disdain for him. Even to this day, people still hate the guy and they think that he's just as a crook. 
And and so you it, that wasn't the that, that wasn't the way in which Peter was approaching Ananias and Sapphira, but it certainly was hurtful to know that they're trying to portray themselves as something that they're not. And 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 we know when we see someone like Lance Armstrong, when you hear about um, a fallout between uh, a couple that you really looked up to, or a religious leader, a significant person, or a politician. You know, it, it really scars you, if you will, especially if you look to that person, if you idolize that person, not in a way that's, you know, cultish, you know, but but that you really look to someone who you honor and respect and they, they have modeled for you the faith and then come to find out, again, it was a house of cards. They really were not living the way that you thought they were. Now, this is the most serious sin here because remember the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And they didn't want that. They didn't want that at all. They rejected the Holy Spirit. They lied to the Holy Spirit. This is beyond when when Paul would later talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. So this is a serious sin. It says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? So one of the things that Peter recognizes again with with that Satan is moving here, he's not de- he's not deceived by what Satan's trying to do, or even though Satan is the deceiver. He's trying to cover up his tracks, but Peter recognized that Satan was behind Ananias' deceptive heart. And we don't know, it doesn't tell us, Luke doesn't give a record as to how Peter knew the details that he knew. But what we do see here is the revelation that Ananias was a fraud and he was living among the early church. And this isn't very important. And again, not to say that people drop down dead. Uh, when we look back, remember when God struck down someone um, you know, who disregarded the sacred order of command. When you go look at Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10 2, when they brought about the, the um, uh, sacrifices without his consent, you know, so they defrauded that, you know, and, and, and they corrupted their own situation as Levites, you know, and it was not approved by God. Achan and Joshua 7 25, when he stole from the camp and Uzzah and 2 Samuel 6 7. So we do see occurrences in the past of people dying because of their deceptive hearts, because of their greed. But in the, in, in the day and age day, could you imagine how many people who are living deceptive lives and who are frauding God's people and then just falling over dead? I mean, that's powerful stuff. Not to say that it never happens. Of course, I can't make that claim, but it isn't something that regularly happens. And so this is very dem- dramatic. But one of the things that <clears throat> I want to say to this, though, in this situation is just the sensitivity that we need to have to the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira were not sensitive. They cared about what they were going to get from the proceeds in the end. And you think, well, Jay, it was their stuff to, to, to give away or to keep in the first place. Not in the way, in the manner in which they did it, though. Not presenting it to be as all of the proceeds and allowing Satan for whatever, you know, again, whatever gateway led Satan to control or to influence their decision-making. So this is a serious situation. And I just pray for all of us as we're going through this in scripture, what type of deception maybe are we falling into or how deceiving is our heart? As the Bible says, who can know it? And that's why we need to ask God every day to search us, to know us, so that we can confess our sins and knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now here in verse seven, after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in. So she doesn't know what happened to her husband. Of course, she knows what they did and how they withheld information. They withheld money and that they lied. 
And so when Peter says, tell me whether you sold the land for, for so much. Now, I believe in this, in the context, he's giving her an opportunity to confess. And yet she still sticks with the plan to, to lie to them um, as her and her husband had, you know, worked out, had, had agreed upon. And, and now Sapphira, I believe her life would have been spared if she admitted the truth. But instead, again, she chose to lie and carry on the deception. And because of that, he says, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? That's an interesting question, the way that Peter phrases it. Because we know they conspired together, this shared information about how they were going to present themselves, they're going to look good, you know, before everybody and just think about how everyone's going to receive them. But of course, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll cover it up and, and keep the money to the side because of their greedy hearts. And of course, Satan's moving through all this. But the way in which Peter asks her, he doesn't ask this to Ananias, but he says, how is it that you have agreed? If you think about it, it's like when sometimes when you ask somebody the question, why would you do such a thing if you say you love me? You know, it's that pivotal point in time where how did we get here? How did you become the person you are today? And it's very shameful, isn't it? And it's almost at this point in time is he poses this question. It says here that she heard the feet of those who have buried her husband at the door and they carry, and he says, they will come and carry you out. So the sin of Ananias and Sapphira, it was against the Holy Spirit. Remember, not against Peter, not against the church. Now, their influences, their greediness, their deception would influence the church for the bad. But this was the Holy Spirit's decision and he put it into it. And immediately she fell down at his, at his feet and breathed her last. And they came in and carried her away. So Luke mentions, remember Barnabas in Acts 4.36 as a great example. And then he contrasts the Ananias here with his wife Sapphira as a bad example of generosity. And I love that. And you'll see that periodically through the book of Acts. Ananias in Acts 4.36, who becomes the, the, the brother of encouragement, is a great example for you and I to look at who sold things who encouraged people, who gave generously. And Ananias and Sapphira are the contrast of that. They're the opposite of that. They're people who present themselves as someone who's got it all together and they don't. And so you you kind of think about that in our own lives. Again, we can always look at the other person and think about the frauds and the fakes around us. But I'm asking you, my friend, as you're watching or as you're listening to this, how pure is your heart before God? Are you lying? Are you deceiving? Are you withholding? Have you stolen? Are, are these all interlinked? And so that keeps compounding the situation and one lie becomes a bigger lie and which grows into this and that and this. And it's so out of control right now that you need to confess your sins and get right with God. If you need to do that as we're studying scripture, I pray and encourage you to do that. If you are in a place right now where you're, you're studying God's word and you say, God, just continue to do a work in my life. I don't want to lie to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. Let us be sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit and continue to pray that powerful prayer. Because notice when this happened in verse 11, it says, and great fear came upon the whole church. That means all the local congregations. So this spread among the different shepherds and the new converts to, to Christianity when they heard all of these things. So this judgment, it was a miracle judgment and it struck fear into people and hopefully would cause them to turn back to God as we see in Numbers 16, verse 34, 2 Kings chapter 1, 13 through 14. 
I like what the writer of Hebrews writes. It says here in Hebrews 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So the last thing I want to say before we get into the second point in Acts chapter uh, 5 is, are you afraid of God? Do you have a, not afraid in a sense like the boogeyman, but are you in reverent? Do you have reverence for God? Do you fear him? I mean, so much so before you act in sin, before you do something in disobedience or before you commit a sin of, of omission where you fail to do something, but instead that fear for God, that's the Bible says the beginning of knowledge and you start processing how God wants to use you and you say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to God because I fear him because I'm called to obey him. And yes, just like when you were a child and you contemplated doing something, you know, your parents told you not to do. And because you fear them because of the person or persons they are in your life, the people of authority, it sometimes prevents you from doing something. Remember, laws are not put there to purify your heart. They're put there to prevent, to restrict you because we're fallen. And, and so it, 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 but it does help though us, just like in this situation here, this fear that the early church was experiencing, it helped them to, to say, listen, God is doing a great work here. Let's not mess it up. Let's get right with him. Let's make sure that there's no deception in our heart. There's no greed in our heart. And I pray to God, especially as I'm recording this right now, when we're having a lot of riots going on in our country right now, there's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of looting people that they don't care about personal property or even the well-being of other people. And they're trying to say it's all about color and equality. And for a lot of these people, it isn't. They make it seem like it is. And it's a lot, it's a lot like Ananias and Sapphira. And that's deception and God will judge it. So now let's turn to the second point here, beginning in verse 12 through 16. The apostles do mighty signs in wonders. So it says here, now, many signs and wonders were, were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Wow, this is an amazing little portion that Luke uh, puts into this account. So let's break it down beginning here in verse 12. Notice when it says many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people. And it was done by the hands of the apostles. That's significant. So there were many tales, remember, about miracle workers in that time, just like today. But the apostles did many signs and wonders by the Holy Spirit. And this happened to authenticate, but also to promote their message about Jesus. Just like Moses did before Pharaoh, he proved that his miracles, remember, remember the, 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 the different sorcerers and the people that, the, that Pharaoh had at his disposal, they did not compare to what God was doing in and through Moses. Moses was the true prophet at that time, and there was none his equal. And there are times where God intervenes and uses people to proclaim his message 
And there's no denying. It doesn't mean they're going to be saved. doesn't mean they're going to repent. But there's no denying the authenticity and the credibility of the message. And so God was using, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the apostles to do miracles. And notice it says, together in Solomon's portico. So again, this is what's intriguing. When you've been following along in the book of Acts, and you go back to Acts 3, verses 11 through 16, after the lame man is healed, this is the same location, the same place where the crowds recognized the healing of the lame man. And it was done in the name of Jesus. And what are they doing now? They continue to do more miracles. And we're told that none dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. You think, what, what does that mean in verse 13? Well, remember, the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira caused many in the community to consider their half-hearted commitment. Isn't that powerful? Think about that. Think about that right now in your church, in your own life right now. Because of what was happening through the power of the Holy Spirit, and people recognized that Ananias and Sapphira were trying to get away with greed, and they were trying to deceive people and trying to buy, if you will, a certain status possibly, or favor. And yet they were trying to deceive everybody in the process, and they're influenced by the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, by, by Satan. And the people recognized, whoa, this is beyond us. This isn't something that we can carbon copy. This isn't something that we can just kind of do half-heartedly. This is serious stuff. And so it causes people to, you know, one, pause and consider where they stand rather than just like, I'll give it a shot nonchalantly. Because we live in a day and age, as you and I know this, my friend, of casual Christianity. We just have, we've basically made Christianity, a lot of us, into, you know, a half-hearted commitment where, yeah, we don't deny the Bible, but we don't have faith in it and in its power. Uh, yeah, we pray oftentimes, but we're not praying that the Holy Spirit convicts us and empowers us in a, in, in a mighty way that we refuse to go down that path of sin and, we, and live more righteous lives, dedicated lives, taking up our cross daily and denying ourselves. So these are struggles that we see the early churches having as they're reaching people in the community, but yet they had respect for the Christian movement. See, that's another thing I find fascinating because oftentimes in the world of apologetics, I'll be engaging people. And a lot of times these people, they may not fully you know, agree with everything or just drop down and, and ask for, for prayer and, and repent and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. I mean, that has happened from time to time. But there's a lot of times where people, they have respect for the Christian movement as it continues to grow and they see the good that this movement is doing. And notice this is in more than, than ever believers were added to the Lord and multitudes, both men and women. So although many people feared joining the church, uh, there were multitudes of others who did join, who did repent. And, and, and notice too, this is the first mention of women believing. We'll later see that in Acts 8 verse 3 and verse 12, Acts 9 verse 2, Acts 13 verse 50. And then it says in verse 15, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. And even the shadow of Peter, you know, would fall upon some of them. Now, remember, there was great superstition with shadows in ancient times. I think this is why Luke makes mention of this. So people are, you know, even though they're fearing what's happening and they're believing in God and these powerful signs that are being done by the apostles and particularly, remember Peter, and they go back to the layman that he healed and he's in the same place, a portico. So you can imagine a lot of people going to that place. 
and hoping that Peter will show up. And even if we don't have him touch us, like he reached out and grabbed the hand of the layman and pulled him up, you know, maybe even just a shadow because they're very superstitious. So again, they're, 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 they're putting some standards, if you will, uh, to the healing power here. But many people believed a person um, at the same time could be defiled possibly if somebody's shadow crossed over a corpse or would suffer injury if they stepped on it. So that's where we get some of that superstition even to this, to this very day. And this is where this comes from. However, in the case of Peter, though, it was the Holy Spirit that was using him to heal people. But people, even as they were believing in the movement and seeing the power that was coming from these apostles, they still were superstitious about it. And they thought maybe they possessed something unique. You know, again, like we think about in the day that we live in today with all the Marvel, you know, stories and movies that they're kind of putting him on that pedestal like that, like he's Thor, that he has these powers and he's a special superhuman, if you will. But this is all about the Holy Spirit. Because remember, Peter says, look, uh, silver and gold I don't have. Later on in Acts chapter 8, when Simon the, Matt, the, the the sorcerer, he tries to buy the Holy Spirit, you see the recognition. You see this later in Paul's life. These were empty vessel men. These were humble people that 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 had nothing in and of themselves to do the work that people were seeing through the hand of the Holy Spirit. This was all glory to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't say here that Peter's shadow actually healed him. Again, the reason why I put it in the cultural uh, context is to understand that people were hoping. So there was, again, some that felt that if you if your shadow crossed a dead corpse, you crossed somebody, they intersected one another, that you'd be cursed. But there was also other people who were superstitious and believed that even a shadow could heal someone. So that that's how 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 much the crowds were showing up for that. But the Bible doesn't say that even Peter's shadow healed these people. Many of these healings were, were, were a result of answered prayer in Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. So we have to keep that in perspective. But notice that towns were, were gathered around in Jerusalem and, and, and people that continue to, to multiply, not just in belief, but they're bringing many of people that they knew that were afflicted or they had unclean spirits and they needed healing. So more and more miracles were taking place throughout the region as people are showing up. Now, this phrase here, afflicted with unclean spirits, means that um, there are these fallen angels who who specifically inflict, inflict people with a certain uh, disease or illness. You see that in Matthew 10, verse 1. You see that in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. You see that in Mark chapter 1, 23 through 27. So they were they knew that in this in this world of superstition, that there were unclean spirits, that there were things in the spiritual realm that they had no power over. So they were hoping that Peter and the other apostles can help them with this. So that's significant, my friends, to see how God was using things, his, his apostles, that is, for confirmation. And now the Sanhedrin continues to get word for this. Remember in Acts chapter 4, they said, no longer speak in this name. Peter and John says, hey, you say what you want to say, but as for us, we will continue to do what God has called us to do. So now we turn into the third thing where we see the Sanhedrin seek to punish the apostles. And we pick things up here in verse 17 where it says, But the high priest rose and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. 
Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the Senate and the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Verse 27, and when they brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, spoke up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, Take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan for this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Then... They left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Wow, just even reading through that is just powerful to just try to understand the intensity, the magnitude of what you and I just read as the church continued to explode in the heart of Jerusalem. Now notice as we break this portion down a bit, verse by verse, when you go back to verse 17, remember when the high priest rose up and all who were with him, and it says the party of the Sadducees, remember this is the Jerusalem aristocracy. This is the elite people who ran the Sanhedrin. And they're filled with jealousy. So again, earlier we saw with Ananias and Sapphira that they are filled with greed and deception. Here we see the religiosity of the day. They're filled with jealousy. So what do they do? They arrest the apostles. Remember, this is, this is still the same strategy that Satan has in trying to rid the world of Christianity by arresting, criminalizing people who proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. So the ruling class were jealous of the apostles' growing influence. 
They didn't deny the miraculous abilities that they had, but they didn't like it, that they were able to do it, but they couldn't. This causes them to arrest the apostles in order to silence them once and for all. Now notice this public prison. This is an indication that the high priest had already convicted the apostles in their mind. And therefore, they wanted a swift execution. I believe at this point, their intent was to kill as many of the apostles as they possibly can. But notice an angel comes, a messenger in Greek, and opens the doors and tells them to go proclaim the gospel publicly. So the angel of the Lord, this is not Christ, is referred in other accounts. You see this when Stephen speaks about uh, him in, in, in Acts 7, 30 through 38, guiding Philip in Acts 826 frees Peter later in Acts chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 kills Herod in Acts 12 verse 23 so as we talk about the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira because they lied to the Holy Spirit and that was really dramatic think about that and we see the signs and wonders that were happening at the hands of the apostles we also see this angel of the Lord as the acts of the Holy Spirit's moving and the gospel spreading and persecution's growing and Satan is active trying to silence this message we see this angel of the Lord, not Christ, who continues to do various different things, freeing Peter, killing Herod. That's pretty interesting, right? Now, notice it says, the angel of the Lord says to stand in the temple. I love this because the angel commands him not to go home, you know, go hide out, you know, let, let things cool down for a couple of days. No, he says, go and proclaim the message publicly. Notice the words of this life. Go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because there are many people oppressed, there are many people afflicted, and they need hope. So go proclaim that. That's why I'm freeing you. Not for your own good, but to do purposes that are far beyond you. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now remember, it was customary for people to arrive at the temple at daybreak, so they got there right away. Just like if you go to you know, flea market, you want to set up before people arrive. They got there so that they can proclaim the gospel to more people as they're entering the temple. Now, remember the high priest came, calls the council, the senate of the people of Israel, and to go get the apostles so that they can, you know, basically try them and execute them. So the powerful religious leaders, they weren't, un they weren't unable to speak away the resurrection, these miracles. So they're trying to find ways to silence this growing popularity that was happening. And remember, larger and larger crowds and more and more converts were happening and they're freaking out. And so when the officers and them go and the guards that were standing there to open the, 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 the jail cell, it's a miracle that the apostles were freed. They were gone. This is another miraculous sign. And, and, and again, this was not by the, the mighty power of man. This was all about the work of God. And it says in verse 24, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard this, they were greatly perplexed. That means they found it difficult to know what had happened. So their minds were blown. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, like what just happened? You see something pretty amazing. So there were too many supernatural occurrences surrounding the apostles that the religious leaders were left in bewilderment. I don't know if you've ever seen that or witnessed that. In our day and age, I certainly actually have. And it is amazing when you see the battles between angels and demons sometimes. It's beyond the physical. It's beyond flesh and blood. Or you see something that does happen in the physical that the 
the only explanation is a God explanation, that God is intervening in an amazing way. Now they say, look, the men, so they're, they're bewildered or trying to figure out what's happening. And he says, look, they didn't run away. They're there. They're at the temple, matter of fact, and they're teaching again. So there was no need to, for them to gather a search party to retrieve the apostles because they were still on the premises. Now, this was an act of bravery. This was an act of commitment on the part of the apostles. And so what do they have to do? They, they, they wanted to kill these guys. It was just causing them to be so much more angry with them. But abuse was, 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 was yes, a rampant way among the temple guards to, to silence people. But the, but the guards, they appear to be sensible at this point in time because, again, they, they couldn't deny what was taking place. This was extraordinary. This is something they'd never seen. But the council took this as a threat of losing their power. So they knew they were guilty of murdering Jesus. We see that throughout Acts 2 and Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Matter of fact, the apostles spoke that directly to them. And yet they conveniently seem to have forgotten. They accepted full responsibility for Jesus' death according to Matthew 27 verse 25. So again, these are people that were unrepentant. And again, I love how the apostles, Luke doesn't make any mention because I don't believe they did this, to rant and rave and to, to in a hostile way, rebuke the religious leaders. They did what was more important. They try to res respect to these people because they all know that they're Im image bearers of God and they, they saw how Jesus responded to the religious leaders. And so the apostles... They just stuck to what God had called them to do. They were compelled to follow God rather than heed the wishes of the Sanhedrin or try to appease them or try to please them. And they were told in verse 30, remember when, when they're having this discussion, the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. This type of death was, was a humiliating curse. And, and remember Paul stated in Galatians 3 verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, but be, be, becoming a curse for us that is written, curses everyone who's hanged on the tree. So when they bring the apostles back and they stand before the Sanhedrin and they say that we're going to obey God rather than man, we're not going to listen to you. We told you that before and we're telling you that again. They were, again, compelled. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation when you're just so focused and fixated on completing something, finishing something out, uh, perfecting something, or proving someone that you can do something. You're determined. That's how determined these apostles were. And I love this because when Peter preaches to them, he confronts them about what had happened to Jesus that you guys killed on a tree. You guys try to curse him. And yes, he took that curse on, but you didn't defeat him. God of our fathers raised Jesus. And he says, and God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So this is a declarative statement in front of the Sanhedrin that Jesus is God. And he says, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So those who repent of their sins, those who follow Christ, who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you are follower of Jesus. And he's proclaiming the gospel in front of these people, and yet they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. So no matter what they said, it didn't matter. The council didn't have the authority, obviously, to ex execute people. That's what they wanted to do. They had to get Romans approval. But they did not know how to respond because the Holy Spirit was moving upon Peter once again. Just like God, through the power of his spirit, does to this very day. And so at this situation, Gamaliel steps in. Now remember, Gamaliel was a famous rabbi. He was the grandson of Rabbi Halal, who taught Saul of Tarsus. So Gamaliel was 
the rabbi to Saul of Tarsus. So he carried a lot of power in the Sanhedrin. And he reminds them about these different, you know, uh, rebels that came about. And he offers up two revolutionaries that attempt to overthrow Rome. And he reminds them, yet these people failed. Remember uh, Theodos? Not much is known about this man. Um, but what we do know a little bit comes from Josephus, who wrote about him in AD 44 and 46. Gamaliel also mentions Judas the Galilean, that he led a tax revolt against Rome in AD 6 that inspired the Jewish war later in AD 66 and 73. But again, they all failed. So he's saying, listen, although, you know, these men attempted to do this, maybe this is the same thing we're seeing. And if this is of man, it's going to fail. But if it's of God, there's nothing we can do to put it into it. So the sad thing about Gamaliel, which is unlike what we see with Nicodemus, is that, and, and Joseph of Arimathea, he knew the scriptures, he knew the Jewish history, but he completely overlooked Jesus as the Messiah. And that's what's sad. Well, so they heed though, they heed what Gamaliel says. And so the apostles undergo flogging. This was an act in Deuteronomy 25 verse 3. And of course, this was so severe that it would re require people to receive medical treatment for weeks afterwards. But we're told instead, they were in the presence of the council and they rejoiced. They counted themselves, you know, unworthy that they would suffer for the name of Christ. And it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So despite the abuse at the hands of the Sanhedrin, the apostles, they rejoice in the suffrage of Christ. It was, it was far more important for the apostles, my friends, to give up their lives for Jesus, to, to serve him with all of their being as much of the capacity that they had to diligently proclaim the gospel because they believed they were living in the end times, that Jesus was going to return at any, any given point, and they wanted to be found faithful before the bridegroom comes. And what was not important was their well-being physically. Their livelihood was not what was the most important thing and so as I end this podcast, my friends, we started with Ananias and Sapphira and we end with the Bible telling us here in verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of, for the name of Christ. It was such an honor for them to be in that category. And I wonder for us today, what about us? Do you find it? Do you find yourself worthy to suffer for Jesus? Of course not. You and I are never worthy enough. But you know what? If you're obedient to the calling of God, if you're not about greed and deception, if you're not being influenced by Satan, but you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, want, to be, want God to use you, you're going to see things happen in your life, my friends, that are not going to be easy. They're going to make you feel not just uncomfortable, but you're going to face challenging times. But like we see with the apostles here in Acts chapter 5, God is with them and God is with you. So if you have been discouraged, if you are questioning your faith, or as you study this with me right now, and you're challenged and you want to do more to advance the kingdom of God, just pray this prayer with me right now. Let's pray together. Whatever you're doing, if you're in the car right now, 
just listen to this prayer and in faith, join me in praying this. Lord, I pray and I ask through the power of your spirit that you'd use me like you use the apostles in this chapter. God, I pray if there's any deception, if there's any anger, if there's any jealousy in my heart, I pray that you forgive me, remove it from my life, that I can be that vessel of honor, that I can be sanctified and useful for the master, that I'd be prepared for every good work. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, know that we are praying for you. Know that we love you. And our mission here, our undying objective is to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord to the world. And we do that by standing strong in the word. So this has been a blessing to you. If you've been encouraged, if this is the first time you've listened to our podcast, I encourage you to go to standstrongministries.org and click on the donate button and prayerfully consider joining a a large group of, of Christians who are standing strong with me and I with them that we can continue to do the Lord's work as we teach and equip God's people around the world. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.